Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Generation. No one wants to uh, do anything unless they have the approval of uh, all their colleagues and all of the Uh, people that are around them. Nothing's to be attempted, nothing's to be promoted, nothing is to be spoken without the approval of the majority. This is the politically correct generation. And the difficulty with that is that God has never moved with the majority. He's always selected out individuals that he can speak to to go against the stream and speak what he wants to. Evangelism is the confrontation of culture. Regardless of where you are, regardless of uh, what your position may be, or your calling, whether you're a pastor, whether you're an evangelist, or whether you're a believer, evangelism is a confrontation with culture. It never ceases to be that. It never deviates from that. That's the calling that we have. When President Bush Uh, made the decision to go into Iraq. He did not have the approval of the United Nations, Germany, France, and the rest of the cowards. He said, I'm doing this because it's right to do. In the kingdom of God, you're going to have to find the mind of God individually. And if anything is going to be accomplished in the kingdom of God individuals are going to have to rise and do the will of God. It doesn't make any difference what others are going to do, whatever they're going to say. You must do the will of God. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 12. I want to use as my text. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. I want to talk to you about the power of one. First of all, I want to examine with you the man that is missing. There's always a challenge. Historically, uh, this is the challenge that God has recorded for us in the book of Ezekiel chapter 22. And verse 30 says, So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall. Stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it. But I found no one. Now this has been the call of the hour. This has been the dilemma of the ages. This has been the challenge. Uh, is someone that God can find uh, that he could use. Uh, and when he can find that, uh, he demonstrates the power of one. This is a great one of the great indictments of history is in Judges 5.23, 
where it is recorded, Kershi Mirah, says the angel of the Lord, curse the inhabitants thereof bitterly, because they came not to the help of the Lord. They came not to the help of the Lord uh, in the, the, against the mighty. And so here we have this missing uh, element. And if you will begin to consider with me, this is a satanic strategy. God's aim is to destroy man and destroy manhood. His desire and his strategy is to strip men of their potential, to strip them of their role in life, to take them out of the game as it were. And this is his, uh, uh, his uh, strategy and it uh, has been the strategy of the ages. His strategy is to make men like women and women like men. His strategy is to move in and to cause manhood to be surrendered. This has several different streams. We hear words like androgynous. We hear words like metrosex. All of these are trends that have various streams. Our major problem in the church world today, never mind society, they're, they're, they're gone. They're going to hell in a handbasket. One of the major problems of the church world is internet pornography. And you might as well come to grips with this. If you're a woman and your husband is, uh, is online, you have a computer in your home, you better put a blocker on it or take a sledgehammer, break it and throw it in the garbage. Because I want to tell you, I'm telling you that we're having to deal with this. And the issue is the devil wants to take men out of the game. Can you say amen? I've often pondered this, this business. I don't understand chat rooms. It's, it's totally beyond me. Uh, maybe I'm outdated or obsolete, uh, but I can't figure out uh, what on earth uh, that uh, a man uh, gets off on a chat room with somebody he's never met or a woman uh, is, uh, has a romance with somebody on the chat room. They don't even know what they look like. They couldn't tell whether they're, uh, uh, whether they're tall, short, fat, uh, pervert. They have no idea. But they carry on a romance and go out, destroy their home and meet them in some city for a big sex binge. It's, it's totally beyond on me. I don't even grasp it. I don't understand how men uh, give themselves uh, to the deviance uh, that is there of homosexuality and pornography. Uh, this is a deviation from uh, God's purpose for man in manhood. And the, the issue is the devil to strip out from him uh, that God intended purpose of manhood and take him out of the game. The roots of this uh, are back in the garden. When God uh, cursed uh, Adam and Eve, he said to Eve, uh, this is what your problem's going to be, baby, now. Is, uh, your future is going to be that he's going to rule over you. He's going to have headship. Uh, he's going to have the dominant role. Uh, and the curse that is upon you is that all your life uh, you're going to desire to overthrow him and have dominion in the home. Uh, and we see that playing out today. Can you say amen? Uh, this issue swirls around uh, because the devil's strategy is sin. And uh, that is brought into the garden uh, for that very purpose. Uh, and uh, even in Exodus, uh, when uh, uh, the uh, Pharaoh uh, is going to destroy 
all the male members of the Jewish race, we find this being played out because here's God's potential people that he wants to use and move through, but the devil has a design and agenda to destroy them. Now, what we're dealing with tonight in the man that is missing is the potential that is in a man. There is so much potential in one single human being, whether man or woman, that is beyond description when you begin to think about it. We said in this text, we're going to use the example of a man. His name is Abraham and the potential and the the ability that God can move through one single human being. The dimension that he can display is almost beyond description. This is a man. That was in England in World War I. He was a Jewish uh, uh, man. His name was Shame Wiseman. And this man was a a brilliant chemical engineer. England was out of uh, gunpowder. They were uh, were in a serious uh, crisis uh, as they're involved in this conflict. Uh, But Shame Wiseman uh, made an invention which is called carbon tetrachloride. He invented this substance from which you could make uh, artificial gunpowder. This enabled England to survive and to triumph. And in the process of time, Lord Balfour, because of the tremendous accomplishment of this man, Shame Wiseman, who was a Jew, he made the Balfour Declaration, which established a national homeland for Jews. And in that single moment and that single man's potential, he opened up the prophecy of the ability of God to have a homeland for the Jews of the world to return that was triggered in 1917 through the Balfour Declaration. Only God knows the dynamics that are involved of this man. Here is God gives this prophecy. Can you, can you lay hold of this? Here's one individual, and in the brilliance of the God-inspired ability, as he gave himself to his potential, he stepped into history and began to trigger destiny for millions of people that could return to the land of the Jews. Among uh, uh, the Jewish race is another great phenomenon. And uh, this is a man that uh, has a unique place in history. You probably have never heard of him. This man uh, was a man uh, that uh, uh, God used in a unique and a wonderful uh, 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 ministry. His name was uh, Ben Yehuda. And I want to tell you a little bit about him because Hebrew was a language that for 1,700 years was a dead language. It was no longer spoken. And uh, someone says as long as 2,400 years and is no longer spoken language. Uh, and then a miracle took place because after 2,400 years perhaps, Hebrew as a language was reborn and it became the spoken language of the modern nation of the returnees into into Israel. This has never happened in the history of the world. No language has ever died. 
No people have ever uh, uh, lost their language and had that rec- uh, be reclaimed. But this man, Ben Yehuda, uh, was uh, uh, moved by God. This was a single inspiration. And as this man was a Lithuanian, and uh, he realized that uh, this language uh, could be used for secular purposes, and he had these ideas, uh, and he gave his entire life uh, to the reclaiming of the Jewish language so that the people of Jewish descent could speak the same language. He knew that their destiny lay in that. He gave his entire life for the reclaiming of the ancient Hebrew language and Isaiah or Elijah or Elijah could stand on a street corner today and preach and the Jews would understand him perfectly, single-handedly, because of this man and the tremendous potential that he brought to that. So here we have this issue. And the issue is the potential that lies in a single man. And we have many great moments in the Bible. The Bible says, here's a man named Abraham, and this man is as good as one that is dead. Yet out of him sprang descendants as the stars of the sky and the sand that is upon the seashore. Here's a man that unless something had happened in his life, this man would have been an unknown Iraqi living in Ur of the Chaldees, never to be heard of, but he responded to God, the Bible says. The record is there in Hebrews chapter 12. God touched his life, and out of this man's life came the tremendous potential, and this Bible is about Abraham and his descendants. Once you begin to understand that all that God is doing focused on this one man, This man, whose name is Abraham, responded to God in Iraq. He, as he responded to God, God moved through him. And this entire Bible and the history of what we're doing tonight is linked to and focused upon this man. We have the roll call of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. Verse 32, it says these words, And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets. And so as we read that, all these individuals are the core of the roll call of faith. They're named because they as individuals responded and the potential that God had ordained began to be released. I want to talk to you about the obstacles that is to be overcome. As I said earlier in my introduction, it's one thing to stand on a stage and sing as these men did beautifully. Lord, wherever the need is, I will go. But when a pastor sits before you and says to you, did you really mean that? Yeah, I really meant that. Yeah, I really meant that. Well, here's a need. Uh, Well, no, I wasn't thinking about that kind of need. See, we have an agenda, don't we? And we're willing to respond as long as that fits in with our preferences, or that fits in with what we want to do, then we want to impose our will upon the will of God. But tonight, God's dealing with some people. In this conference, he's been dealing with some people. And it's not too late yet. This is only Thursday night. You've got a a full 24 hours yet to, to make a move. Can you say amen? 
full 24 hours to go to pastor, uh, whoever your pastor may be, and say, Pastor, you know, uh, I want to respond to the need. And he says, what do you think the need is? I don't have any need. You tell me about a need. And then he says to you, uh, will you respond to this need? And then you have a decision to make, don't you? I'll go where you want me to go, dear Lord. I'll be what you want me to be. As long as it's not there or here. You know, I've had, I've had men say to me, uh, you, know, uh, uh, you know, I can't go to the hot place. Uh, but, you, know, I've got, you know, I don't like the desert. And my, my personality doesn't agree with the desert. Well, uh, uh, if it's the will of God, what difference does it make? Can you say amen? So there's difficulties to be confronted and to be dealt with and to be overcome. And the real battle is a mental battle. See, Satan is constantly at work, uh, and he does his work. You know, we, we have this idea that uh, here we are, we see these pictures, there's a Christian soldier with a sword, and here's the devil. Uh, but you see, uh, that really isn't the conflict. The conflict's in the mind. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, lest Satan should take an advantage of us, for we're not ignorant of his devices. Uh, and in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, whose minds uh, the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. So the real battle tonight is in the mind. You have to understand that. Yes, we have demonic powers, uh, and demonic powers move to persuade people in certain decisions or non-decisions. But the real issue has to do with the mind and the conflict is fought in the mind. And what the devil wants to do, I want to focus on tonight, is to deceive you about your potential. If the devil can strip you of your manhood, if the devil can cause you to think thoughts of degrading ability, and he can begin to deceive you that you could never amount to anything, then he has half the battle won. If you would know where I came from, if you knew my personality before Jesus touched me, if you understood where I came from, you would be absolutely astonished that I'm standing preaching to hundreds of people tonight have come from half the world in the last six months. It is a mind blower to me to understand that God has breathed upon me and has released me to the purposes of God. You see, what the devil does uh, is he brings to you a feeling uh, of insignificance. And that insignificance may be because of your uh, racial background. You're Hispanic, and so uh, you can't do anything because everybody hates Mexicans. Uh, or you're black, uh, and you can't do anything because your grandparents were abused. Uh, or you're white, uh, and you're becoming a minority in America. And so... <laughs> You see, the devil uh, wants to bring to you a feeling of insignificance so that uh, you will not be able to break out of the pack uh, and be able to do what God has called you to do. What he wants you to do is to fit in. 
with the mentality of the hour. They call this uh, uh, homogenization, I believe, or something along that line. And, uh, and uh, in thought and action, you just begin to do what everybody else is doing. And uh, the major sin today is anybody that would break out of the pack and do something for God. You know, we see them, uh, we see them uh, nonconformists in, 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 uh, in many things in the world. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about this trend of bald is beautiful, you know. I'm looking at young men. They're bald as a cue ball. Listen, Pastor Camel doesn't have a lot of hair, but he's keeping what he's got, and he's, he's flaunting what he's got. Amen. If you got it flaunted, don't, sh- don't shave it off and shine it. But you see, that's just a trend. Everybody, everybody's got the Kojak look today, you know, because this is what's cool is Kojak. Well, why don't you, that's not individualism. You know, they, I see these kids, these kids, you know, it, it, it's beyond me. And, and they're wearing these pants, you know, they're going down the street like this. And I, I say, what on earth is, what's the matter with you? Well, I don't want to be like everybody else. Well, you like everybody else. I see hundreds of them. But when it comes to the kingdom of God, nobody wants to break out and say, God, uh, I'll go where you want me to go. People want to talk the same. They want to look the same. Uh, They want to be the same, except when it comes to the things of God. Now, historically, there's a record that is given. Judges 6 and verse 15 says, So he said to him, O my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my father's house. This is exactly what the devil wants to say to you tonight. You could never be like that. You could never go there. You could never preach this. You could never stand and address that. You could not be a part of this. This is the work of the devil to try to strip you of your ability to launch out for God. And the kingdom of God has a record. And in the Bible, the, uh, the, uh, the overcoming uh, and the obstacle to be overcome has to do with the devil saying to you, you could never do that. If he doesn't say it to you, he'll say it to your wife. Hey, what's up, podcast listeners? Pastor Adam, back with you again. Just wanted to give you this report that uh, you have been doing a great job of sharing the news of this podcast and continuing to download uh, episodes on a daily basis. The show has been growing by leaps and bounds. There's more of you listening now than at any other time in the podcast history. So we just want to say thank you once again for tuning in and listening to these anointed sermons. We just want to ask you one thing real quick. If you could do us a favor and leave us a review, especially those of you on Apple devices, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening. Uh, We need some five-star reviews and also uh, if you could leave a few notes in there about what you like best about this podcast would really, really help us. I'm sure that you know somebody who could use a daily podcast to get them through the day. Please make sure you share it with them. And uh, also, uh, we are trying to get our hands on sermons from all across our fellowship. If you've got some good ones to share with us, we'd encourage you to please contact us using the links in the show notes. We'd love to feature your sermons from your church as well. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy the rest of this sermon.
But I want to tell you that God is a mighty Savior and he can gloriously move in your life. Here's David. Think about this. This is not written so, uh, to entertain your children so they go to sleep at night. You read them in scripture. Here's David. He's a shepherd boy. Shepherds uh, are the lowest class of society. He goes down to where the camp of Saul is. He begins to get stirred uh, about doing something for God. His brothers begin to ridicule him. Uh, Saul begins to detract from his ability. He has a lack of experience, and when he goes out to meet Goliath, the devil intimidates him, begins to mock him. If you're going to do anything for God, you're going to have to rise up, can you say amen, and be what God has called you to be. The potential in men is absolutely beyond description. Here's Abraham, and Abraham is walking an uncharted path. You see, we, we want to figure everything out. We want to, uh, you know, one of the things that bugs me about men, you know, they say, well, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, could, could you fly me up and do a survey of this place? Fly you up. Is you is or is you not? Can you say Amen. I never flew to any place that I ever went to pastor. An opportunity was afforded, and I just said, okay, I'll go. You see, Abraham is walking an uncharted path. And this is part of the intimidation of the devil. It's say to you, you could not do this. And this evening as you and I are seated in this place, maybe you're going to pioneer a church. I want to tell you, pioneering a church is an uncharted path. We've got all kinds of men sitting here. If Brother Myers would leave his church, you'd be willing to go. Yeah, oh yeah, sure. Yeah. If Brother Myers resigns, I'll take his church. You know, here I am, Lord, send me. <laughs> what about pioneering? Well, you know, I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> See, we... we uh, uh, we, we're pioneers even in our movement, is that we send out young couples or older couples, as it may be, to pioneer churches. Uh, they've never been to a seminary. They don't have any formal training. Uh, they just have discipleship. Uh, we send uh, men overseas. Uh, they've never been overseas. Uh, they haven't gone through a missionary school. One of the, uh, uh, one of the only things we ever did, we sent Grabowska uh, to, to, uh, uh, to a language school to speak Portuguese. Uh, I don't know if he can speak a word of it now or not, but in any way, <laughs> that's the only time we've ever deviated from that. And uh, that was because he requested. He said, would you do that? I said, okay. That's a, you know, that's a, you're the man. You're willing to go. I'm willing to invest. And so uh, uh, the difficulty is uh, people coming to grasp with uh, this business of pioneering. We planted our first church. We did not know where we were going. We just simply did it. It worked. We said, wow, that's fantastic. Let's do that again. Can you say amen? 
We send workers overseas. Uh, this is uncharted territory. Nobody's doing this that I know about. Uh, they may, uh, may have done it in many years past, but never uh, in modern history has this been done. Uh, and yet we have uh, lighthouses of the gospel all over the world uh, because men begin to launch out, uh, regardless of the intimidation, regardless of the political correctness, regardless of the religious world. Uh, they went out, uh, and in Hebrews eleven eight says, By faith. Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive his inheritance and he went out not knowing where he was going. You know, the great delusion of the ages uh, is if you're going to do the will of God, there will be no obstacles of any kind. Uh, it's all going to work smooth. It's going to be wonderful. And you did. I want to tell you, if you're going to do the will of God, you're in for a fight. It'll be a mental hassle. It'll be a torment. It'll be a haggle. It'll be uh, your own flesh. It'll be your own family. It'll be the society. It'll be your brethren. Uh, it'll all be compounded because uh, you're not going to do the will of God without a fight. You're going to follow Christ. You must press through the difficulties. There's a deliberate test of your will when you want to obey God. Here the scripture says in 1 Corinthians 16, 9, Paul says, For a great and effective door has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. Note that word many, not just one, many. Here's Elisha. He wants a double portion of the spirit that is upon Elijah, and there's a deliberate testing of his will. Because... Uh, Elijah said to him, if you see me go up, uh, then you can have the double portion of the spirit that is upon me. Uh, and then the next word he says to him, you go over there, I'm going to go over here. Uh, and uh, we are recorded in the scripture over and over again. There's a test of his will of whether he's going to press through uh, and obtain uh, the inheritance. This brings me to the key uh, that releases this. You see, we're uh, in a religious world. I, I'm talking with the pastors uh, this morning. Just unbelievable what I'm seeing. But the religious world is looking for a, a magic bullet, a silver bullet. They're looking for a program. They uh, they're go to seminars. They buy books. They go to conferences. They go to conventions. Uh, and they're looking for some magic, uh, uh, magic uh, uh, key. And what they're actually looking for is some methodology that's going to bring them uh, the victory and going to bring them success. Uh, Ian Bounds uh, said many years ago, uh, men are looking for methods. Uh, God is looking uh, for men. Think about this man Abraham for a moment. Uh, here's this man. All Abraham really accomplished was he had two sons. And they're affecting world history today. The whole world is being drawn by an irresistible power through the two sons, Isaac and Ishmael, that Abraham fathered from one man. Think about this for a moment. From one man. My brother is 86 years old. He lives in Phoenix. I go down occasionally and have lunch when I can with him and his wife. Uh, she's, uh, I think she's 87. And my brother has no idea what his testimony of he and his wife. He's never preached a sermon. 
I don't think he's ever taught a Bible class. But he had a testimony and a witness uh, that won me and my wife to Christ. Think about this for a moment. He did not accomplish all that you see wherever you go. I did not accomplish that. But God was able to the potential of one man who was a faithful witness of Jesus Christ, uh, pointed the pathway uh, to my wife and I getting saved. We responded. uh, We pointed the pathway to others. uh, And out of one man has come a multitude of faithful souls uh, that are serving God and preaching the gospel. I know that I did not do this. I know that he did not do this. But I'm talking about potential tonight. I'm talking about what God can do through one man. This man is Abraham. And ponder this because the whole Holy Spirit underlines this. He did not say from some wonderfully organized movement, from some highly visible, highly skilled group of people. He underlines this for you and I tonight to put this in your face so that you have no excuse tonight from one man. So let's look for a moment uh, because uh, there's something that God is looking for. This is the key to it all uh, and that has to do with the heart. It's not methodology. It is not some kind of technique. Second uh, Chronicles 16.9 says the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in behalf of him whose part is perfect uh, towards him. This means that there is a person who is wholehearted and it's easy to stand on the platform and say, God, whatever the need, I will respond. It's easy to sit in a congregation and I saw you sitting out there and you're appreciating the words and the spirit of that wonderful group as they're saying. I saw AJ, she could hardly stay seated. She was out there. One man was up dancing in the back and I appreciated that. The wonderful spirit of that. That's one thing, but it's another thing. When God puts it in your face and says to you, uh, I'm looking for your heart. You know, it's easy to sit in in a crowd like that. You're smiling, you're looking religious, you straighten your tie out, you know. But you see, it's the heart. It's the heart is what counts. When Samuel came to Jesse's house, And he said, God sent me. I want you to bring all your sons out here. And he began to bring them out. He brought out Eliab, who was handsome and good looking. And here's Samuel. He grabs the horn. He's just ready to anoint him. And God said, "Ah, that's not the one. And he brought all of his sons. All of his sons passed by. And uh, it's none of them. God said, it's none of these people. And Sam says, don't you have a son besides it? Well, I've got one, but, you know, he's out hurting the sheep. He didn't amount to anything. He said, bring him here. And the moment he came, God said, that's the one. Anoint him. Oh, God, tonight. If he could stir your heart to make a consecration and say, God, you have my heart He can change your heart. If your heart's not right tonight, he can change your heart. Can you say amen? Amen. 
The Bible says in 1 Samuel and uh, uh, verse uh, uh, 10, uh, chapter 10, verse 9, it's talking about Saul. So it was when he had turned his back to go from Samuel that God gave him another heart and all those things came to pass that day. Tonight, uh, dear friend, God can touch your heart tonight. If your heart is not right, it can be right. If tonight your heart is not wholehearted, it can be wholehearted. Can you say amen? And the scripture says in 1 Samuel 10, 26, And Saul also went home to Gibeah, and valiant men went with him whose hearts God had touched. Oh, tonight, if this group of people could fully comprehend the potential that God could perform through you if he could have your heart and he could change it into what he wants it to be. The world could be turned upside down. There's a man named Josiah. The Bible says one of the great revivals came out of Josiah. It's found in Second Chronicle 34, verse 27. Because your heart was tender, God said to him, and you humbled yourself before God when you heard his words. It goes on. I'm not going to bother to read the rest of the text. But it says he gathered the people together. He took the word of God. He began to share the word of God. What God had said and what God would do for them if they would submit and surrender their hearts. And out of that came one of the great revivals of the Old Testament recorded for you and I. You will never have revival without the people being confronted with the word of God. We're in the mega church movement today. In this mega church movement, we have superstars. They're preaching to multiplied thousands of people and you listen to their words and it's not the word of God. It's happy stuff. Make you feel good. Make you feel religious. Make you feel positive. But I want to tell you, it doesn't do any good for you to feel good and feel positive if you go out and go to hell. You see, you will never have revival without the Word of God being presented to the people so that the Holy Spirit can breathe upon it and bring to them an understanding of the revelation of God in Jesus Christ. One author says many men fail because they quit too soon. They lose faith when the signs are against them. They do not have the courage to hold on, to keep fighting in spite of that which seems insurmountable. If more of us would strike out and attempt the impossible, we very soon would find the truth of that old saying that nothing's impossible. Abolish fear and you can accomplish anything you wish. Jesus looked at them and said, with men, this is impossible, but not with God. With God, all things are possible. Two things are crucial. One is perseverance, and the other is purity. Here, as we begin to look for the key to the heart, the key to the heart is most men give up. This is a give-up generation. This is the throwaway generation. Can you say amen? We, we buy something, uh, it, uh, uh, it doesn't perform, we throw it away. We buy something else. This is a throwaway generation. And sadly, uh, this uh, has developed in our society a, a, in a, a, an inability 
to stick to your guns and make it work. Can you say amen? Make it work. It's not work. Make it work. How do I make it work? You make it work because you get a hold of God and God makes it work. The other's purity. You'll never reach your potential without your heart being pure. Let me read this final text in Proverbs 31, verses 1 through 7. The words of King Lemuel, the utterance which his mother taught him. What, my son, and what son of my womb, and what son of my vows, do not give your strength to women, nor your ways to that which destroys king. He's not talking about not ever having sex. He's talking about the very thing that's plaguing our generation today. And that is uh, that the flesh dominates. Uh, and this is a generation that is obsessed with sex. Internet, pornography, movies, magazines, novels. He goes on to say, It is not for kings, O Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink wine nor for princes intoxicating drink. Lest they drink and forget the law and pervert the justice of the, all the afflicted, give strong drink to him who is perishing and wine to those who are bitter of heart. Let him drink and forget his poverty and remember his misery no more. We can move this into a modern arena. Drugs are rampant in our generation. Marijuana, crystal meth, cocaine, heroin, this fits the text that we have. You will never ever be the man that God has called you to be unless you follow the ancient admonition of Lemuel's mother and you keep your heart pure before God. One person, and I conclude, historically has been the key to the moves of God. We have men that we'll recognize Evan Roberts, John Wesley, uh, Jonathan Edwards, William Booth, Martin Luther, anyone who's been around the church world understands these are men that God singly used in a generation that was not responding to God. You see, tonight we need someone that will say, I will be that man. One man and him as good as dead. Yet from that man, God gave descendants as the stars of the sky and the sand that is upon the seashore. The poet has written tonight these words, God, give us men. The time demands strong minds, great hearts, true faith, and willing hands. Men whom the lust of office does not kill. Men whom the spoils of office cannot buy. Men who possess opinions and a will. Men who have honor. Men who will not lie. Men who can stand before a demagogue and scorn his treacherous flatteries uh, without winking. Tall men. Sun-crowned. Who live above the fog uh, in public duty and in private thinking. For while the rabble... Uh, with their thumb-worn creeds, their large professions, and their little deeds mingle in selfish strife. Lo, freedom weeps. Wrong rules the land, and waiting justice sleeps. God, 
give us men. Tonight as we draw this to a conclusion, God is reaching out his hand. And I want to challenge you in this building tonight to respond to the purpose and the calling of God and the power of one is absolutely beyond description. I want you to bow your heads with me tonight. We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vvph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website at vvph.org and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people.